So as I said at the start of our service today, next Sunday we're going to be starting a new series in the morning on John's Gospel, working our way through, through this great gospel, this good news, this life of Jesus. Um, so that'll be starting next Sunday morning. And next Sunday evening, we're going to start a new series on the book of Galatians, the, the letter from Paul to the Galatian Christians. So there's so much good stuff in there in, in our evening services. This morning, I just wanted to do a part two, really, of, of what I started last week between the years as we come into a new year of this message of old roots and new shoots. And I remembered last week, um, for those of you who weren't here, that um, this message, originally when I, when I became the senior minister of the church about 13 years ago, um, I'd, I'd been on holiday in France and uh, I had seen, I'd seen an old stump of a tree in a forest and out of this old stump, this old trunk, um, these old roots, I'd seen also kind of these new shoots growing up out of the trunk and uh, we reflected last week on this old roots, the old and the new, in the, in the fact as we come into a centenary year for our church, a hundred years since this church was founded, uh, that we reflect on what has been, we reflect on those roots, but we also think forward to what will be and to the new shoots of what God is doing, because God is always doing something new, and God has always got new things on the horizon and it's marrying these two things, which I always think is a skill and an art as a, as a Christian and as a human being, in, in loving and cherishing the old and the rootedness of that. And last week we thought about being rooted in church tradition, in the living faith of our dead fathers. And we thought about being rooted kind of in the doctrine of the church, the orthodoxy of the church and the importance of that as, as culture ebbs and flows that we remain rooted in the truth of God's word. We are a Bible-based church. We want to root ourselves in God's word, which gives us great stability and anchors us. But also, we reflected last week on being rooted in Christ. And this is the, the, the challenge of Paul to the Colossian believers, is that we should continue in him, rooted in him, built up in him, and we considered this kind of image that is, goes throughout scriptures about the root of Jesse, of Jesus um, being the root of Jesse as Isaiah surveyed the nation of Israel and Judah in uh, Isaiah 11. Um, he looked at the devastation of a nation. He looked at kind of the despondency and the gloom. But uh, he prophesied that out of this stump of Israel, this seemingly dead tree, this seemingly denuded forest, that out of this place that God would do something new and, and there would come a shoot, there would come a root of Jesse and, and that is then mentioned in the book of Romans and, and even in the last chapter of the book of uh, Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible where Jesus says, I am the root, uh, I am the root of Jesse, I am the one that was to come. And so, there is kind of the marrying of the old and the new. And I wanted to continue to reflect on that this morning for a few moments with you. And then I wanted to take plenty of time this morning to, to come around the Lord's table uh, later in our service. Last week I read a verse from the book of Job, uh, Job 14, verses 7 to 9, which says, 
this. At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. We talked about last week about personal revival and church revival and city revival. And God is a God of endings as well as beginnings. Sometimes it's been said that as, as a church or as Christians, we're very bad at stopping things. We're very good at starting things at times. And sometimes it's time to stop something. And it's time uh, to, to say that something has come to an end. And it's, it's time to say that there's something new on the horizon. That when one door closes, another one will open. When one thing comes to an end, another one will begin. And sometimes, if you're like me, we cling to the old and don't want to let go of what has been. And we're creatures of habit and comfort. There's an old allegory that did the rounds in the 90s. I don't know if you read it. It was a business fable called Who Moved My Cheese? It was by Spencer Johnson. And in this little allegory, there's the story of hem and whore and um, sniff and scurry. <laughs> hem and whore are two kind of, um, kind of human beings. Sniff and scurry are mice. But in this fable... Sniff and scurry go off, and they look for new cheese. Hem and haw, they don't want to move. They don't want to change. They've always gone here for their cheese, but the cheese is gone. The cheese is finished, and somebody has moved my, who's moved my cheese? And the fable kind of tells the story of change and how change is sometimes difficult and how sometimes we don't want to let go of the old and the familiar to look for the new and to move into new pastures and, and new things. And I was thinking of that story this week as I thought about this subject. Sometimes we build cultures, and culture is important. Um, and that culture says this is the way that we do things around here. This is the way that we act around here. That's what culture says. And last week we talked about the old roots of tradition, the living faith of our dead fathers. Sometimes tradition is really important, and we live uh, with the living faith of those that have gone before us, we honor that. The importance of being rooted in church history and the importance of being rooted in church doctrine and the importance of being rooted in Christ himself. There is, however, a vital difference between tradition and traditionalism. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Tradition is the living faith of the dead if you notice the difference. Traditionalism sometimes is when we continue with something that has long since died, <laughs> that's got no life in it, but we continue with it anyway because we've always done it, and we've always done it that way. In this fable um, of who moved my cheese, the main points are that change happens, that we should anticipate change, get ready for the cheese to move, <laughs> That we monitor cheese, we smell the cheese often and wonder and find out when it's gone off. And we adapt to change quickly. We, we look for the new cheese that is on the horizon. Traditionalism 
is the packaging, but not the substance. It's when we concentrate on the way that we do things rather than the reason that we do them. It's a lack sometimes of flexibility and fluidity. Sometimes it is rigor mortis. And Jesus talked about changing circumstances and culture and changing the way that we do things in the terms of wine and wineskins. Jesus said, new wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. If you try and store new wine in the old wineskins, then they will be ruined. But Jesus said, sometimes the new wine requires the new wineskins. It requires new containers to contain the freshness and the newness of what is in store. The danger comes in the area of church culture is when we equate the way that we do church, the way we express ourselves with the essence of our faith, the substance of our walk with God, when we get more concerned about the wineskins than the new wine. In church history, as we look back down the uh, the decades and the centuries of church history, we find that the church has changed its shape and its forms of expression over and over and over again. And today across this city and across this nation and all around the world, people who love and serve and follow Jesus Christ will be expressing their worship and love of him in different ways, in different types of buildings, with different styles of worship, from different backgrounds and perspectives. And there are some that say that the church is dying, that it's decreasing, that it's diminishing. But Job is right when he says there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. Its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground. Its stump may die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. It may seem that the roots have grown old and the stump has died in the soil. It may seem that some good things have come to an end. And sometimes they have. They have come to an end. They have come to their natural conclusion. And even within our own tradition, we may look back at what to us seems like rosier and more fruitful times. We may look back on the way that we did things 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago and feel that certain things have died or are, are no longer. There's no life in them any longer. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Isn't that just like God? When things look like they are over, when death seems to have won the day, when it seems like the end has come, there comes new life and new beginnings and new streams and new blessings. From seeming dead ends come new beginnings. From old roots and a dead stump in the ground come new shoots. God isn't finished with us yet. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things have yet to be done in this city. When Jesus leaves his disciples, you have one of these moments 
where everything seems to be ending, where things seem to be changing, and the disciples can't grasp it. And they don't want to grasp it. They don't want Jesus to leave them. In John 14, their disciples are despondent. Jesus is talking about the end of his ministry on earth. He's talking about leaving them. He's talking about going to his Father. Their security and and their identity is all tied up in walking with and following Jesus on earth the way they've done it for these past years. And they cannot see beyond the current format. They cannot see beyond what is now. But Jesus knows that things are going to change and he knows what is coming down the line for his church. And he tells his disciples not to be despondent. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus knew that their mission on earth was limited in that time and space to him and his 12 disciples and to the band of people that were following him. But he knew that they would do greater things, that there would be an outpouring of his Holy Spirit, a birthing of the church, a spreading out of the church, and a a spreading of the gospel all throughout the known world. Jesus knew that. He could see beyond the now. He could see that the cheese was moving And the disciples said, we want to stay here. We want to do what we've always done. We don't want you to go, Jesus. We don't want you to leave us. And Jesus said, I'm going to promise you a new era. I am promising you that I won't leave you alone. I am promising you that I will give you another comforter. I'm promising you the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you and work through you. And what seems like an end to them, or even failure, is not that at all. Sometimes what seems like an end or failure to us is oftentimes only the prelude to a new dawn, to a new beginning, to a new opportunity, to new openings, to fresh forms of ministry and life. And what God says to us sometimes when we discern his voice is let go. Let go of the old. Stop looking back at what was. I have something new for you. A new source of supply, a new opportunity, a new area of ministry, new shoots, personal renewal, church renewal, city renewal. And if at the moment you are feeling the pain of an ending, of something coming to a close, the perplexity of change, the fear of the unknown. I want to tell you this morning that God is in your tomorrow, that he has good plans for you, that of a father's delight in his handling of your situation, that out of old roots, new shoots will grow. Let's look at an example of this in an Old Testament figure in in the person of Elijah. Does this story in the book of Kings, 1 Kings 17, of the prophet Elijah? Now, um, 1 Kings 17, I'll read a few verses to you. 
Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him and he went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So Elijah goes because God tells him to go. And he goes and God provides for him miraculously in that season of his life through ravens, through a brook, through the water that was flowing at that time. And he drank from the brook and he was fed by the ravens. He was supplied by God. And yet the time came where the brook dried up. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, go to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. And I'll provide for you again, but in a different way this time. This time there'll be a widow there and there will be a supernatural supply of oil for you and I will provide for you. The brook has dried up now and you need to get up and you need to move and you need to go to where I tell you to go and I'll provide for you there as well, God says to Elijah. And God's source of supply and blessing seems to have dried up. I don't know if you've ever felt that way or looked at a ministry that way or it seems to have dried up. What was once fruitful, what once flowed with life has now dried up. It's not there anymore. The brook is gone. There's no life in it. And God says that source is finished. It's over. Leave it. Go to Zarephath. Go to this widow. And a new supply will open up. See, God knew what was next. He knew where was next. And he knew how was next. A different environment, a different culture, a different source of Supply, but the same God, the same God, the same supplier, the same provider. He's the one that never changes, that will never change. His name remains the same. His promises remain the same. He will supply all your needs. He will supply all your needs, perhaps in a different way than what once was, maybe not from a brook, maybe from a widow, maybe from a jar of oil. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord can and will come to you if you will listen to him, if you listen for his voice. Often at the ending times, when things are finishing, closing down, coming to an end, God promises something else. He talks to you about the what next, or the where next, or the how next, out of the dryness, out of the desert place, from the old tree stump, there comes the scent 
of water. What's a scent? It's a whiff. It's a hint. You can just about catch it. What's that smell? I can smell something. Sometimes if you, it's, sometimes it's a nice smell. Mm. <laughs> the scent of water. That's the smell of freshly baked bread. Or you can come into a house and mm, something smells good. I recognize that smell. It's, it's God's presence. I've known that smell before. I've experienced it. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, oh my God. My soul thirsts for God and the living God. The way that God has moved in the past, provided in the past, providing Elijah with a brook and feeding him with ravens would change, but it would still supply him. It would still be a miraculous God to Elijah. It would just be a different place in a different way. That was then. This is now. And the words of an old song come to mind. I will arise. I will move on in the freshness of a new anointing now. Sometimes we don't want to let go of what was because it's familiar and it's precious and it meant a lot to us. But sometimes that moment comes, that line, that time, and it's time to move into something new that God has for you, for us, for now. Listen for his voice. What does he want in this next season of your life? Why should you remain a seemingly dead stump in the ground with withered old roots? Why wouldn't you be like Simeon looking for the coming of the Lord, looking for the hand of God. If you're dry and barren in your faith, it's time to stretch out your roots to dig deeper in search of water, in search of sustenance. You will grow from this place of dryness and barrenness, from this place of hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Sometimes, sometimes, some of the most painful endings in life turn out to be the most fruitful and fresh new beginnings. I've not always been good at letting go of the old, rarely ever, in fact. I, like you, sometimes cling to the familiar, the comfort blanket of experience. But sometimes God says, let go and trust me for the new. But I can trust God and you can trust God that he's got something for you in this coming season, something new, something fresh, good works that he has prepared for you to do in this day. And instead of your fathers, it says in Psalm 45, will be your sons. Sometimes we look that way, and God wants us to look that way. Perhaps instead of that, it will be that. Instead of your fathers, it will be your sons. Perhaps some of us look at the former generation, and I sometimes think this in, in a number of people that I've looked to for mentorship or 
that have valued their writings or their teachings or their leadings, and they're not there anymore. But then perhaps we need to look at what God is going to do in and through this season. And instead of your fathers, will be your sons. So new shoots out of old roots. And that is this balancing act, is there not, in our lives, <laughs> to hold on to tradition and what is good, the living faith of our dead fathers, but to dispatch with traditionalism, the dead faith of our living fathers, the dead wood, the pruning of the tree. And maybe this year, as we celebrate our centenary as a church, things will change, things will come to an end, changes will be afoot. Nothing stays the same, although we'd like it to at times. But out of that, there's the excitement of what God has got in this new season and in this time and in this place. God is at work now. God will be at work tomorrow here. God will be continuing to do his faithful work and to build his kingdom. So I'd like us to pray together as we reflect on what has been and what will be. And perhaps we feel a bit like Elijah this morning. Perhaps the brook has dried up. And we say, God, what next? Where is your supply coming from? Where is the life? What are you doing, God, in this season? But God knew, God knew, and God knows. So let me pray for you and for us as we start this year, 2024, looking to his hand. Lord, we're not very good sometimes at dealing with change. We're not very good at endings and beginnings. But there is also great excitement, God, when you lead us into new pastures and new challenges and new opportunities. And God, I thank you that you have stored up good works for us to do. Lord, help us to discern and to know, Lord, when the brook has dried up, and when it's time to go to Zarephath. Help us to discern and to know and to look to your hand, but also to have the confidence, Father God, that you are still the supplier. You are still the provider. You are still the source of life. Thinking of those disciples who could not grasp the change and the transition that was happening as Jesus ascended to heaven but there was so much more to come, so much more of the Holy Spirit, of the spread of the gospel. And as we stand on the cusp of this, our centenary year, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for those faithful witnesses that have gone before us. And we are surrounded by them and inspired by them. And we stand on their shoulders but Lord, we pray that in this day and in the coming days, in whatever season of life and ministry we find ourselves in, that you would lead us to that place of blessing, outpouring, moving of the Holy Spirit, revival, renewal, reconstruction, new life. Father, I pray that whether that's as individuals, God, whether that's in the area of careers and career choices and changes in employment 
whether, God, it's changing family circumstances, whether, Heavenly Father, it's, it's changes in our ministries and the things that we put our hand to. Lord, whatever it may be, help us to move with the scent of water, the breath of fresh and new life. Lord, continue to lead us and guide us in these coming days. And Lord, as we face change, Lord, we pray that we would know also your blessing and your encouragement and your hope. So I pray your blessing on this, your people, and on your church. In Jesus' name, amen.